0: It's a lovely sunny day in Hackney and me and Mr Binks are just sitting in the garden. I should just clarify that uh, Mr Binks isn't my boyfriend, but he is my English toy terrier. And we're all set now to go indoors and interview the police dog handler, Dave Wardell, over Zoom and meet his amazingly brave police dog, Finn. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Oh, Dave, thanks so much for
1: joining us on uh, A Dog's Life. Thank you for having us. Very excited. We've been talking about this for a while and it hasn't happened, has it? So this is brilliant. Well, I'm really glad because it
0: seems ages since the last time we met at Pup Aid. Do you remember when um, Mr Binks, my little Mr Binks, and your very big Finn, fabulous Finn, shared a doggy ice cream in the VIP area?
1: I do. The the puppet was such a lovely event and it was beautiful sunny day and an ice cream was really needed. So yes, it was I do remember it very well.
0: Because it was such a time of celebration, of course, because uh, Lucy's law had just become, um, well, passed in Parliament uh, to become legislation. But Finn's law, I think I'm right in saying here, had just become real legislation. Is that right? Well,
1: it, it, it just started its journey, which is obviously, as you know, with, with Lucy's law is... Um, it it can be quite a turbulent journey. So, but but for us, it was it was it was uh, it wasn't too bad, to be fair. Um, but yes, it just it was sort of well on its um, parliamentary journey at that point. So it was all looking, it was all pointing in the right direction. But I, I'm not the one to count my chickens before they've hatched. <laughs> I did wait until it was properly passed through the Lords and the Queen had signed off before I before I celebrated because you never know what's going to happen next in politics, do you? <laughs>
0: Well, no, and that must be such a, a change of career almost for you, because obviously um, anyone who's read your book, Fabulous Finn, knows very well that you are a, a dog handler um, extraordinaire. <laughs> um, and, but Finn's law took you on, on a bit of a campaigning journey and indeed politics.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody who doesn't know what happened between Finn and I, we were involved in a serious incident and he and Finn was very seriously stabbed. And his offender was um, was facing criminal damage charges. Um, and, but the judge struggled to put a value on him. And so although he was found guilty of that offence, and it was a horrific offence, he got no penalty for it whatsoever. And that, you know, it was that point really that uh, myself and the public said enough is enough if we're going to use these animals and you know I I believe we do because they are absolutely incredible at what they do and there is no piece of kit that can do what they do then it's down to us to make sure that we protect them in every way possible and of course that includes the law so yeah it was a it was quite a, a change in in um uh, in direction for, for me, but you know what? It was incredible, and I'm sure Mark's told you how incredible the, the campaigning side of um, the world is as well. But um, yeah, it was enjoyable, stressful at times, but um, you know, look what we've achieved. It's amazing what you've achieved because, in a nutshell, what
0: is Finn's law, and and how is it now? Helping dogs, you know, like Finn. I mean, God forbid uh, something like that ever happens to another police dog. But um, how will it make him not be, you know, just property, like a thing, a chattel?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, When we started out with the Finns Law campaign, one of the things we wanted to do was to find out how many service dogs have been attacked in the UK. Now, because they were treated as a piece of property, there were no facts or figures. So, um, you know, most were charged with criminal damage, but there is no separate part to the criminal damage, um, law that says for service animals, you can't research how many service animals have been, I don't like this term, but damaged. Um, and so we had no idea. Now, I'd heard from dog handlers uh, after Finn was attacked how their dogs had been kicked and punched. And I, and I remember Finn being kicked and punched through, throughout his career. And and we I was always told by prosecutors, you know, don't worry, we'll get them for the bigger offence or um, we'll struggle to get a prosecution on that. But actually what the truth was, was there was no piece of uh, legislation specifically for them. They were trying to shoehorn it into other completely inappropriate pieces of legislation like the one you've already mentioned, the Criminal Damage Act, which treats them as if they're nothing more than a broken window, which is, you know, quite frankly, (laughs) ridiculous. Well, it
0: really is. I mean, what would you say? Because, you know...
1: Animals really have emotional
0: intelligence. I'm sure you know. You must believe that, Dave. I certainly do believe that. But scientists are still some scientists are still a bit sceptical about whether dogs can have you know lateral thought and have the ability to act on emotion. Um, it's it's beginning to get much better because of modern technology like MRI scans. Yes that have proved that dogs' brains work in the same way as ours and respond yep. happily or sadly to different stimuli. You know, so um, with that in mind as well, why is this age-old law that I think is is dating back to 1968 <laughs> um, not, not moving further to defend all animals, really? Yeah, no,
1: I totally agree. Um, I, you know, you only have to have um, a pet, uh, you know, a proper... A meaningful is going. To, I hope this doesn't sound strange, but a meaningful relationship with a pet to understand that they do get it, they do get the world around them, they do understand when you're you've had a bad day, they do understand when you're not feeling great, or you know maybe they don't understand that you've lost a relative, but they certainly understand that you're sad as a result of it. Um, and when you work with a dog, you know I spent uh twelve hours a day at work with Finn, and I, and I do with my current two police dogs um, and we spend all our days off together we spend most of our annual leave together and we're out all day long when we're off together and you they know they get it they know things before you know things. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> well I mean as a police dog handler you know your bond with Finn is is something I think that you know most people can't imagine we, we all have our bonds with our dogs and we should you know and I think part of modern dog ownership is that um we're not spending enough time some people don't spend i don't think enough time with their dogs to really develop this bond but why do you think as a police dog handler your bond with with finn in particular um was extra different
1: well i I, that's an interesting point you've just made actually because i think obviously with this uh that the the um, coronavirus I think you'll find that lots of people have spent a huge amount of time and I'd like to think that lots of them have come out of this and gone oh my god wow I've learned something new about my pet Uh, so that would be an interesting one to for you to follow up with um, on your show because I do think you know the longer you spend with them uh the you you start if you listen you know people say well how can you listen to your dog because all they do is bark but they they want to tell you stuff they want to show you they want uh, to show you their world and how they see the world which is different to the way we see the world and only if you're prepared to sit and listen and that you know that might be um, in the middle of a field or or doing some some training if you're prepared to listen to them oh my god you could learn so much about this world I often get told off at work because I don't sit in an office and keep up to date particularly well with my paperwork But that's because I think that my job as a dog handler with two dogs should be those little things that not doing anything just observing it observing your dog being a dog and watching what they're all about and if that's in the middle of a field in the middle of the country somewhere then then so be it there's so much we could learn from these animals they're incredible Well, Finn has obviously taught you a huge amount
0: and the trust that you and him and I'm sure with your other dogs, but, you know, with Finn, the trust when you're out working, it's something I can't imagine because, you know, I've got a bull terrier who's rather (laughs) stubborn as they tend to be. And I don't know (laughs) what she would do in in a sort of crisis situation. I don't know if I could count on her,
1: you know, to save my life. But that's basically what Finn did. Yeah, I you know what I think I think you've you've probably just nailed it on the head there. I think 90 something percent of my relationship with my dog's is trust. And it's so easy to lose that trust through, you know, incorrect training or incorrect methods of training. Um, and and then it takes a long time to rebuild. So I've spent an awful lot of time trying to make sure uh, not only that I trust them, but um, that they know that they can trust me. And that, I think that when you get to that stage, that's when you you truly start, and I do mean start, because I do think we've got an awful long way to go until we realise exactly what these animals are capable of. But you do start to realise just how incredible they are. But that word trust is massive. I was talking to uh, a university lecturer, uh, professor yesterday about um, trust when it comes to animals. And and I think until you get that, you're not going to get the full potential out of your animals. So it's a very important word.
0: Yeah. And as a police dog handler, you've obviously built that trust a lot with training and for me one of my bugbears is that many people think oh no I don't want to do dog training with my dog because it's going to uh, kill his personality I love the way my my dog's really naughty or whatever it might be Mm. I don't want my dog to be boot camp you know but (laughs) training is a form of
1: communication Dave right absolutely yeah I mean um, you know if you came in uh, well you've met Finn but if you met my current um, police dogs and my pet I'm pretty sure almost straight away you wouldn't think to yourself my god they're boot camp they're robot dogs they're not and I have no interest in making my dog a robot dog you know what my dog knows how to hunt my dog knows how to search and how to use its incredible nose um, and it's incredible brain Uh, so who am I to overly influence that it's it's I remember when I started as a dog handler Uh, there's a couple of sayings one is dope on a rope um, and that's that's our end the the dog handler end you are the dope the dog is the brains Um, and and the other one was that it really is your um, and this is is a difficult one for humans to do I think your job is to to shut up and listen and watch and only when you do will you realize well I'm tapping into their Uh, their skill and their knowledge I'm just the the, I am just the dope on the other end of the rope watching them whilst they go through their amazing repertoire of skills but I think that can be a tricky one for humans to to understand so yes I do get that some people think well I don't want to take my dog to obedience classes or search classes or tracking classes tracking classes are an incredible uh eye-opener for for humans um I I took a lady recently on a tracking seminar that I did before the COVID and she turned up and she followed Finn for years and she was um, emotional to meet him but before the class started she stopped me and said I'm just here for the fun I'm just here to meet you and meet Finn and just let my dog have a little bit of a wander in the countryside he's hopeless he won't track she said to me she said he won't track I promise you but we're just here for the fun and by the end of the class she was in tears because she'd just seen a completely different to her dog that she'd never asked to see uh, or never recognized in her dog and she was blown away by how incredibly um, uh, clever her dog was.
0: What type of dog was it Dave out of interest? I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs>
1: okay. it, was, uh, it was an elderly Labrador but I've taught... <laughs> There'll be breeds I haven't taught, but I've taught all sorts of breeds how to track from two hours to crazy binaramas to uh, you name it
0: because i really this i'm serious here
1: prudence when i first got her she was
0: extremely hyper and friends that you know know dogs they were saying anna you know you should work her and i do work her she she knows everything from down to roll over she is she's got a lot of tricks and commands in place but her olfaction is off the graph and whether it is because she's got a whopping great big nose yeah but something i thought to do with her would be to train her to find truffles and oh, make her yeah. But, oh, I'd love to come on one of your courses and bring Prue because I think you'd be impressed because her determination is off the graph. I mean and her strength and everything. And I think it is her calling, because I joke and say, you know, if she wasn't a bull terrier, I might be handing her over to the army now.
1: Yeah.
0: To like serve out explosives, (laughs) Um, because she has got the capacity, but of course it's whether she's in the right mood with prudence, and that's a bit the difference, isn't it, between, a gsd and a bull terrier
1: <laughs> well yeah you say that but you know the, uh, dogs are a bit like us in that they can have their off days and their on days so, i mean what we what we do with our dogs is we we make we we increase their drive levels and we we make sure that their reward at the end is 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 something that means the universe to them um but and that can be done with with prudence and it can be done with just about any dog if, if they're a bit foody and a bit um, and into their toys then they're very easy to train you know dogs dogs will find their own scent work to do um, whether you like it or not so they'll smell every single lamppost and there'll be people out there going oh yes he does well he's just using his incredible nose or her incredible nose and all we do with our tracking classes is just get them to do it uh, when we've asked them to do it and so it becomes a partnership and then you really start to learn um, about more about each other I I'd love to have you along to one of our our lessons. It would be incredible.
0: I really would like to. And it is all about that teamwork, isn't it? Like turning your dog's world into a game based on rules and teamwork. And I always say you've
1: hit the jackpot. Absolutely. You've got it. You've got it there and they love it. And, and you know, what? after just a a half an hour tracking session, your dog will quite often go home and sleep for a couple of days and have wonderful dreams. And because it's really tapped into every single bit of their being and everything they've ever wanted to do.
0: Gosh, two days of prudence asleep, I think, you know, it's a, it's uh, a, we're on, you know. (laughs) Now going, going back to the book for a minute, Dave, you know, it's a brilliant read and you're really open in it. And what struck me and really struck a chord with me, to be honest, was how guilt is a consistent theme for obvious reasons um, in, in that. And, it's an emotion that lots of people have experienced for lots of different reasons, you know, including myself with about my first miniature bull terrier. Now, guilt haunted me, and it derailed me at times. Um, and you mentioned this. Now, how did you fight it?
1: Oh gosh, it's an interesting one. My mum stru- um, suffered with uh, with her mental health as we were growing up. So, uh, I mean, bless us, she tried very hard, but. Um, She probably wasn't the best tutor when it came to how to deal with uh, your mental health issues. So I've kind of had to learn, like all of us um, throughout my life, how to how to deal with stuff. Now, the guilt was horrific when you combine that with. Um, you know, the flashbacks the you know, the post-traumatic stress that came from that incident and you play it over about how you could have changed it and what you could have done differently. And then, of course, the answer is you couldn't have done anything differently. You, I didn't pull the knife out. The young lad pulled the knife out and thrust it into Finn's chest. So there was nothing I could have done to make that day any different. Um, and I think once you sort of get to, to, to grips with that, you know, we all make mistakes. We're, we're, we're human. Um, I didn't see that he had a knife. I thought he had a weapon. I thought he had a stick. And I thought Finn and I were more than capable of dealing with, uh, with that. You know, Finn and I worked together as a team. We were stood next to each other when it happened. I hadn't sent him off into the distance to go and deal with someone on his own. Um, and I got it wrong. Um, and I think only when you, can, uh, you admit that you've got it wrong and that's part of human nature can you sort of start to move on. And that's where things like the Log Project and, of course, um, uh, the book uh, really, really, really helped.
0: Yes, yes. No, um, amazing. And what do you think the reason was for this? You know, they say everything happens for a reason. It's mm-hmm. an expression I can't bear
1: and people it about. But mm-hmm. I think
0: life has lessons.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I do. I, I do think you're right, and I think, um, I think I I have a saying, um, and 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 some people will think I'm insane for thinking it, but I every dog that I've ever had in my life, when they go, it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. They um, you know, they really do take a, p- a piece of the, your heart with them. But in its place, they leave. A bit of their heart and, and my theory is and it is daft don't get me wrong uh, is that when my heart is fully dog it will be my time to go because i will have learned everything i possibly can from these incredible animals and i think uh, you know finn is going to play a massive part in that in my life now i can't bear to think of finn not being here and i really am not sure how i'm going to cope without him but the lessons that he has taught me and the places that we've gone and the people that we've spoken to and the things that we've done because of that one horrible incident have been, you know, have been incredible. The the things we've learned, we would never have learned if we hadn't been put in that position. Um if I could go back, if I could go, rewind the clock, then I would have found a reason not to go to that job because watching my best friend go through that was the hardest thing I've ever had in my life. I've lost both parents, I've lost friends, um, and all, all of that is very upsetting, but to see my best friend go through that because of a decision I decision made, if I could go back, I would change it. However, look at what we've achieved since.
0: No, it's brilliant. And he is, you know, isn't he? One of the bravest police dogs that, you know, has lived in living memory.
1: Well, you know, there's police dogs out there day in, day day out. Uh, Normally when we're tucked up in bed. Doing incredible work, and you only have to look at social media now. It's brilliant to see that lots more of their work is shared. Um, so, as to whether he's the bravest, I don't know. He's certainly the most decorated <laughs> in yeah. the country. And we've used again, we've used that platform. We've used, you know, Britain's Got Talent and the book to really sing um, about these animals because quite often. Their work was hidden until uh, a constabulary needed a good news story, and then they could say, "Oh, a buster caught a burglar last night whereas actually we should be talking about them every day and the incredible work that they do because they are they are absolutely phenomenal in fact, just last week, uh, we started a new national charity which uh, will help with retired police dogs, but it will also help with uh, serving police dogs and protection for them campaigning and um uh, recognition, so yes uh, not, not, not that I'm busy enough But we've just started The Thin Blue Poor Foundation Fantastic. No,
0: I've um, seen that on social media and urge everyone to uh, follow that. And I do think it's it's very important to recognise uh, all the service dogs, you know, in the army yeah. as well and horses, of course, in the yeah. police. You know, I remember those riots, the Tottenham riots um, and the horses that, oh God, you know, I was crying.
1: They were just standing their ground. You know, they're so brave. you no, um, some horrible stories that the horses go through as well. It's just just beggars' belief that people can treat animals like this. And I know there will be people out there saying, well, maybe you shouldn't put animals in that situation. And I I do get their argument. But, you know, horses and dogs in those situations are so, 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 so effective.
0: Yes, no, totally, totally. Well, I know Finn's got um, a very big bark on him. And... Part of your um, social media campaign, to jump on ahead now a little bit, just to touch on Finn's Law 2,
1: because you're barking to Parliament, aren't you Dave? We are, yes, we have, um, and it comes from uh, 101 Dalmatians when they had to use the bark to get the message across the country um, about the fact that the pups uh, were in danger and where they were. And and we've used that to, to get that bark to Parliament, to get that bark to Boris, um, and of course, he's dog Dylan, which is really where it comes from. You know, if we could get Dylan to hear the bark, maybe he would um, uh, you know, speak to his dad and make sure that Finslaw Part 2 sails through Parliament. So anybody who doesn't know what Finslaw Part 2 is, when we started the Finn's law campaign, we initially thought it was going to be a standalone piece of legislation on its own. And we were going to ask for a five year maximum sentence to begin with. Um, We were told by government that that was very tricky. There wouldn't be enough time to do it. And so it would likely fail. Um, And they said, you know, in our discussions, let's do it this way. And this way was to have it added to the animal welfare act. And what they said was on the back of that, uh, we'll do everything we can to make sure that we increase the sentences from the maximum sentences in the Animal Welfare Act from the, I think you'll agree, the quite measly six month maximum there is at the moment to a much better five years. Now, we've been derailed a couple of times with Finns Law Part Two, just with um, proroguing of Parliament. Um, and of course, coronavirus hasn't helped either. So there is a private members bill by an MP called Chris Loder. It does have government backing. But we need to make sure the government keep to it because otherwise it will run out of time and it won't happen. So Finns Law Part 2, we call it the, the second part, the final part to the Finns Law Project is to make sure that we get that six month sentence. And there's something that everybody can do to help us.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, and with this sentencing, that, that would apply to
1: all animals that have suffered cruelty cases as well, That's wouldn't right. it? Yes, yeah. it wouldn't just be for service dogs, but of course they would be included. Um, it would be for all uh, a- a- animal cruelty and animal neglect cases. And it, I just think, you know, when you, you get to hear about those cases as well as I do, Anna, and they're, and they're heartbreaking to see what some of these animals have gone through and how they've been neglected and how they've been cruelly treated. I get sent these, you know, the worst of the worst day in day out by people saying we need Finn's law part two. Um, and for those, the people that have, um, committed those atrocities to, to get a small fine in court, you know, what sort of message does that send out? We know the links between, animal cruelty and domestic violence and further violence to to humans and and in some cases murder and that sort of thing. So why are we not treating like other countries already do the um, offences of animal cruelty much more seriously, which is where the five year maximum comes in.
0: And it's so brave that you're doing this. You know, I mean, animals are thanking you, Dave. I can feel it, (laughs) you know.
1: I get my reward in heaven, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I can hear
1: your parrot chirping away in the background. Is it a he or a she? She. She's an African grey. And she says, uh, she says about, I think she says about 250 words. But the the clever thing is that she puts them all into context. So she'll tell the children off. She'll tell them when it's time to get up and have breakfast. And she's very clever.
0: Well, I hope she's enjoying being on this podcast, um, and <laughs> it would be lovely if she'd say something. I'd absolutely love it. I love parrots, yeah, I but love we it. digress. We digress. You know when Finn was recovering because that's a, a a really roller coaster moment in the book. And you know I couldn't believe it there's this bit where he's everything's going well, isn't it, yeah. Dave? Yeah. And then there's this massive setback and you yeah. wake up in the night and you reach out to Finn because you're camping downstairs yeah. and Instead of being a warm body that you touch, yeah. he was cold. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just like jump, you know, jumping off the edge of the sofa at this point. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I knew he's alive, so. <laughs> but um, nevertheless, that that must have been
1: absolutely awful for you. Yeah, it was. We had a long list of stuff from um, from Finn's vet that who 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 um, who did the surgery for him, who's now a good family friend, as you can imagine, and. And it was literally, as I woke up that morning, we were working our way down this list of things to look out for and ticking every single one. So he, he was cold to the touch. Um, he had uh, a, a lump had formed on the, where the stab wound was. Um, he wasn't himself, he was wet, very withdrawn and he was off his food and he was just like, oh my God, no, how can we have come so far? just for this to happen of course you know the vet said to us the biggest danger now um, by far is infection and, and we were ticking all the signs for infection and it was just it was just horrible luckily a couple of days later it turned out to be um, uh, not an infection um, and and everything was was uh, was fine but it was horrible it was a heart-stopping moment it really was
0: and then you, you were cheeky at one point and you kind of bended the rules from the vet, didn't you, a little bit. Um, and you tapped into Finn's training that actually not, not only became your line of communication again with him, but his lifeline. Explain yeah. how his tracking ability potentially restored him physically, um, mentally and emotionally.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Finn's been a working dog all his life. He was; his mum and dad were both working dogs. It's all he's ever known, apart from when he comes home of an evening to um, to his family with, here with us. Um, but he couldn't understand why he couldn't go back to work. You know, even the day after uh, his surgery, when I went to, because they would only allow me to, to go and visit him for two hours a day, um, and. He couldn't understand why he could come home with me that day and jump back in the back of the van and go to work. I mean, obviously he was in a dreadful state, but he was, he just wanted to be next to his dad, um, looking after his dad and protecting his dad. And of course, you've got, you know, the vet said he can't do anything for six weeks, so we couldn't, we couldn't really do anything. But he's got this most amazing nose and we were allowed to walking around the block and... Very quickly, he would start to to sniff out people's scent. Um, and then I thought, well, what happens if we hide something in the bush? And I won't ask him to find it. I'll just We'll just go for a walk around the bush and see whether he goes, oh, I can smell it, Dad, I can smell it. And that's really where his training sort of started back uh, again. And he, he does have the most incredible nose. Um, and then after that, we started to lay little tracks and stuff. Nothing strenuous, but you could see from that that, he was desperate to go back to work. And of course he did return to work. And and on his very first job back, um, we were called to a car that had been stolen and crashed and abandoned. Uh, He immediately put his nose to the ground, uh, dragged me for about three quarters of, of a mile to find the car thief hiding uh, in a stable, so you know that was his very first job back, and I burst into tears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. well, you would. I mean, I would. How amazing! I mean, it's really—it's almost like he pulled you through the crisis as much yeah. as you pulled him through. You know, you really epitomised to me. You know, that expression, "one man and his dog." You know, it's not about being um, a sheep farmer with your, your colleague rounding up sheep, yeah. although their relationship, you know, the shepherd Absolutely. is is kind of similar.
1: Yeah, without that. Oh. Yeah. And I've got a friend who's got a um, a, a guide dog um, and we've spent many time, ty- many a, a, a day chatting about our relationship with our dogs. And it's, you know, it's exactly the same. Um, the bond he has with his dog is is incredible. They are best mates. Um, and yeah, it, 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 there's so many people out there. Some probably don't even realize they have that sort of relationship with their animal. But, um, you know, I couldn't do my job without my dogs. Um, and there's many, many offenders who would be free today if it wasn't for, for for these incredible dogs.
0: Yeah. And you've owned lots of different breeds. Um, You've got
1: Pearl the Spaniel, who's a different kind of police dog. Yeah. So Pearl is a, a Springer Spaniel. She came from a rescue centre. Um, she is pretty full on. She's a whirlwind. She's only got two speeds. One is standing, staring at Dad. <laughs> uh, and the other one is like uncorking a bottle of champagne. Um, and she she lives to work. Um, she's an incredible little search dog. She searches for drugs, cash and, and weapons. Uh, but yeah, we've had lots of dogs. We've got a, a rescue pug. We've had a staffie uh, who is absolutely incredible. She was so beautiful, bless her. Uh, we've got a South African Mastiff. Um, but I, my, I, I love all dogs, uh, but my heart always comes back to German Shepherds. And why is that? I just think, well, I owe my life to at least one. I think probably many more than one. My dad had a German Shepherd. I was born into a house um, with a German Shepherd, my father's dog. My father died when I was 11 months old, um, suddenly. And she obviously outlived him by about three or four years. And she taught me, I, t- I said earlier, my mum struggled with, with her mental health, but she, Jess was her name. She taught me loyalty like no human could through that stage, that very difficult stage in my life. You know, my mum was beside herself because she missed her her husband and um, and she didn't cope particularly well. But Jess, 6pm every evening, which is when he used to come home from work, would go and curl up at the back of the door as she always had done, waiting for him to come home. And, of course, he never did come home. Um, but I like to think that when she went, they were they were reunited, and I think that really really stuck with me. Um, when I was twelve, I went to an open day at, um, at South London Police, Southeast London Police Station, and I saw a police dog handler um, and his German Shepherd, and they worked in absolute unison with each other, and I think they barely said more than half a dozen words during the whole um, the whole demo. Um, and that blew me away. And it was at that point that I said, that's what I want to do for a living.
0: Amazing. So really, you know, your dreams came true.
1: Yeah, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky, Anna. I get to go to work every day and do my dream job and work with these incredible animals. And, you know, I, work, I know that working with animals isn't as um, as common as it used to be, but to work with them is is such a huge privilege.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I love it. I love to fill my time around my dogs. I work from home just so that I can spend enough yeah. time with them. You know, yeah. um, well, so with Finn now, now he's retired. Is he adapting okay to retirement?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, he's always been part of the family. Um, you know, like my current dogs are. So, um, he still gets. Uh, Whenever I put my work boots on, that's normally when it starts. And even though he's been retired for just over three years, whenever I put my work boots on, he still gives me that look and goes to sit at the front door as if to say, could today be the lucky day. Now and then he does get to come back to work if the, you know, if the bosses want him for an open day or um, we've met a couple of special um, people at, at our headquarters, a young girl who's suffering Um, with with cancer at the moment so now and then he gets to jump back in the police van and he absolutely loves it um and you know I could ask him to go back to work tomorrow Anna and I know that he would and I don't doubt that he would get me a result probably straight away he's he's just that sort of dog so here he is at the moment sat laying on the patio enjoying the sunshine Oh, that's so
0: lovely. Do you yeah. do anything like um, you know, hydrotherapy? Because I know you took him swimming a lot once at one point in a lake. You donned a wetsuit for your dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that picture in the book. I'll never live that one down. Yeah, so Finn had an operation when he was about four on his knee, uh, just a wear and tear thing. Um, and as part of that, um hydration uh, sorry swimming is is incredible at building up their muscles without putting too much impact on them and we kind of I I think I sort of taught him how to swim properly at that point I I don't remember many uh, swimming trips before that but since then we've sort of developed uh, swimming together now you have to be very careful where you swim together you can't just go to any lake you need permission people need to know you're there and you can't do it when there's that blue green algae but when we get the opportunity to swim together it's lovely we are literally side by side swimming up and down the lake and it's again just another one of those incredible experiences to to share with each other and now uh during the winter, we keep him um, nice and strong with uh, hydrotherapy and physiotherapy. There's a wonderful charity called Canine Heroes that support um, ex-service dogs when they retire with that sort of thing. Because as they get older, you know, the arthritis tries to take over. And of course, one of, the, one of the key things you need to do is to try and keep them nice and strong so that uh, the muscles can support those um, those, that, those arthritic joints
0: yeah and helping obviously reduce the inflammation in the joints yeah. that's very important to do that i'm a bit of a nut for my supplements and green yeah. muscle and things yeah. like that and i've got this thing as well that i use that's a red light therapy device that ah, uh yeah. i have you got? have you i use it on
1: myself yeah we use photos all the time and, and like you just said you you know you use it on yourself dog handlers have bad knees bad back bad ankles um and i use it on me and uh, of an evening, you'll quite you'll often find my children giving one of our dogs a little um blast with the the photozo red light treatment, and it's incredible. I think it's absolutely brilliant.
0: yeah, no I, it works. it does work. Um, I don't know how it works, but no. it's um <laughs> it's it's a really useful thing to have around for um bumps and grazes and all sorts of things. Oh my Dave, so is Finn there? Could we hear Finn yes, sort of yeah. speak?
1: Finn, come there he comes.
0: Oh gosh, there
1: so we're gonna have a there he is. Hello Finn. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a good boy Oh the other one's joined in. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, there we go. That's Finn saying hello. He's he's a typical German shepherd. He's never short of a few words. (laughs) That's brilliant. No, and so he should be. We
0: like talkers. Dave, listen, thank you so much for this. Now everything's, you know, going to be on the links below to learn more about Finn's law too. Um, Are you urging everyone to
1: write to their local MP? Yeah, that's what needs to happen, really. I mean, in this current climate, the best way, and and we found the best way throughout Finns Law, is to email your MP. It doesn't need to be war and peace. It's literally just a couple of lines saying, um, support Finns Law Part 2. I think it's back... It's been delayed a couple of times. I think it's back in Parliament on the 11th of September. Uh, Yeah, write to your MP. We've got a Finns uh, map of MPs that we would really love to fill. We're about... 320 MPs in so far which is no mean feat um and uh yeah so we've got about another 300 MPs to go and it would just be lovely to have that map full to show you know we're in this current position possibly possibly because of the cruelty and neglect to animals and wouldn't it just be amazing to show the world that this is how we treat those people responsible for that
0: yeah it really would so um please write to your MP. I've written to mine and let's try and make change. And then I guess we'll sign off by saying, you know, have you had any film requests?
1: <laughs> well, funnily enough, we did, um, we, when we were at Britain's Got Talent, we did speak to Simon. Uh, apparently David Walliams said it would make an incredible film and it did spark Simon's interest. We haven't heard anything since. There are a couple of small, smaller filmmakers who have, um, uh, who have asked if we would be interested. Um, so, yeah, never say never. I do think it would make a pretty cool film, actually. Forget about my me and my character. It's all about Finn and the dog. Yes,
0: yeah, so you'd have to train the dog, though, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I'd need a load of puppies. That's all. Just me, a load of puppies in a big field. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, Dave, listen, um, I hope everyone just follows um, you on your social media, which is?
1: at caninefin that's on twitter facebook and instagram at Canine Finn,
0: and i hope you'll be back soon and maybe we can have a positive update about finn's law too that'd be great and then we'll get you booked in for some tracking training as well oh yes please i really do want to do that i love prudence to be the first bull terrier to yeah. track something that'd be great <laughs> wouldn't it thanks anna thank you dave That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I knew you'd agree with what Dave was saying about five-year sentencing. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favourite shows. Thanks also to Mike Hansen, and of course to you, Mr. Binks, for just being you. Also, do follow Dave Wardell and Fabulous Finn at caninefin follow my producer mike hansen at pod people uk and find out the latest on me at annaweb dogs hope to see you soon bye for now